You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we help you make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your everyday life. I'm Phil, and today I am really excited to be joined by author Jeff Campbell to discuss the Ignatian Examine and his new book, Examining the Examine. This is a beautiful, creative playful practice that helps us explore and look into the spaces where God has been moving in our lives and is moving and speaking in our lives today. Now, before we dig into that conversation, I would love if you've been blessed by the Rua Space Ministry, if you would consider supporting us over on Patreon. You can find a link to our Patreon page in the description below. And for just a few dollars a month, less than most Starbucks coffees or Chipotle burritos, you can help support this ministry each month while gaining access to some really great exclusive content, including live events, guided practices, special series, and more. So friends, we are so glad that you are with us here today. We're grateful that you can take part in this conversation. We pray that it is a blessing to you and that it challenges you and encourages you in some way. So here is my conversation with Jeff Campbell. Jeff, welcome to the Rua Space Podcast. So excited to talk about the examine today, something we've incorporated into some of our practices, but haven't really uh, dug deep into yet. So welcome. Thank you. It is uh, just so great to be here today with you. So let's start off just by sharing a little bit about who you are. For those who may or may not know, Jeff Campbell. Jeff, who are you? Oh, uh, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who... Um, I, I guess if I wanted to talk to you about my story, where I would start would be about 10 years ago. Well, now, 15, let's say 15 years ago, I found myself in love with a really amazing um, spiritual community that um, really helped me find out who Christ was and what Jesus is all about. And, um, you know, for a time, it was such a good place to be. And... Um, uh, some things popped up in my life that uh, complicated it. And what I found was that that spiritual community really, I think, did their level the best. The more I like pray over that time and the more I think about it, um, I, I think just like me and just like probably everybody listening, everybody was doing the best they, they could do in the moment. But they weren't really prepared to um to give me the kind of answers that I that I was looking for at that time and to support me in the ways that, that maybe I would wish that they had. And, um, I, you know, I fell into a really dark time at that time. And I think probably if it weren't for some really gifted therapists and some great psychiatrists, I think I would have been uh, just absolutely paralyzed at that time. Um, and uh, it was around that time that a number of uh, sort of strange coincidences um, landed me on a contemplative path. I, I found myself in a male rite of passage um, that was um, really profound and helped me to remember some of my experiences before becoming a Christian um, on a contemplative path. You know, I spent some time uh, exploring Buddhism and, and those sorts of things. And um, 
discovered within within my own Christianity. There, there was this whole well-tread path and all these practices and things. And, you know, the thing that I was struck at at the time is how come nobody told me about this? Like, where were all these practices and things? And, um, you know, my life was a little bit of a mess at that time. Um, I um, wasn't in a really great financial position as well as a lot of other things. And um, while I was finding that um, the spiritual practices were so good, I was also finding that people could get really territorial and um, people could get, uh, you know, it could be hard to, to find your way into this sort of stuff. And so as I started to put my life back together, one of the things I really made a promise to myself about is I'd really like to make it easier for the next person who might be in my own shoes of um, just feeling so lost and looking for a way out. Um, and um, uh, was able to turn my love for writing into a uh, uh, practice of writing books. And I, you know, I curate a website with um, spiritual practices and um, facilitate some online groups and um, have done some work with retreats and things. So um, just love um, getting closer to God and connecting with people and sharing just this wealth of um, amazing knowledge, uh, really in, in our own in our own tradition, in my own backyard, um, that uh, I, I think could do so much good for the world. Yeah, I had a very similar experience, even becoming a pastor, going through undergraduate school and, you know, not as much in seminary because the school I went to was further along this path. But I definitely hit a point where I'm like, where has this been my whole life? Why is it that this this absolutely essential component of our tradition forever? Um, you know, I didn't even realize going back to Jacob and Isaac, it talks about how we went into a field to meditate, right? It's like, oh, my goodness, this has been here for a right. long time. So I, I'm really, I'm really grateful for you sharing that part of your story and the way that it has drawn you closer to God. And of course, I'm assuming then that's what brought you to write on the Ignatian Examine. So you've got a book coming out here really soon. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I do. The, um, the, the book and the ebook um, are going to be available within just these next few days, less than a week before they're they're both live and um yeah it's uh uh you know i always think about what would i need in order to get where i am that might might smooth the process around and there are things that i do now that i don't think i would have been ready for for a few years from now on the way of spiritual practices and that kind of stuff and i think that um practices like lexio divina and practices like the examine would have felt a little closer to my comfort zone mm. um a few years ago. So I see it as, as, as really a nice like doorway into contemplative practice. And uh, it's such a gift. You know, I think if I sold zero books, I would still be writing books because mm -hmm. it's such an incredible gift to me to take a deep dive into these kind of practices and get to learn uh, like really new things about them. I like, you know, in my, in my human arrogance and silliness, I, I step in thinking, all right, I think I'm ready because I think I know a bunch of stuff. And inevitably, what I find in the process of writing and taking these deep dives into these practices is, wow, there's just all this other stuff that I, I, I didn't even know about before I started kind of looking at it from this angle and, and, and going this deep into it. 
Yeah, it's amazing when you go to teach someone else something, how much you have to really learn it yourself. You know, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've taught a college class on the Bible or theology or, you know, had to go and do a Bible study at church or something. And all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, do I really know what I'm doing here? And, you know, sort of learning it to to teach it is, is always a wonderful experience. And I totally agree with you. You know, Lexio Divina is something we started with at Rua Space doing live events because it's broken down into sort of simple processes. You start to learn what it means to feel where God may be speaking, to get into your body. And I can totally see the examine having that same sort of idea. So let's begin to dig into the examine. Uh, your, your book obviously takes us into many different ways to do it. And I really appreciated, you know, you really lay out the very practical steps. And so, you know, there's different types of spiritual discipline books out there and the angle they're coming at. And I think yours is, is like a guidebook to actually just doing it. So I really appreciated that. But let's just to begin to dive in. Can you just share on a basic level to start, what is the Ignatian Examine? What, what are we doing in this practice? Yeah, sure. And, and I, I, I love the way that you put that question, because one of the things that I've discovered is that, in fact, there, the, the examines as a sort of broad category actually is, is a really wide and goes further back than even Christianity, there's, there's, there's Greek Stoic practices that have a certain relationship with the Ignatian examine. Um, mm. In my book, I, like, I, I really sort of used, used uh, Ignatius's work as a home base for that. Um, but the, like, you know, using as contemplative practice, the um, memories as kind of the fabric of what we're working with is, um, is a really fertile ground that, that pops up in lots of different places. Um, and one of Ignatius's, um, Ignatius of Loyola being kind of like, the, like a sort of a founding spiritual director, you might say, did lots of great work with spiritual practices in, in the Christian um, tradition. One of his sort of contributions is around the idea of consolations and desolations, um, using, um, you know, where do you see God and where is God absent as, as the lens that you're reviewing, uh, the, the time that you're reviewing. So, in, in, you know, in a really broad way, I guess what I could say about the examine is there's two essential components. Um, one is going to be a time of review. We're going to look at some portion of my, of your, of a life and, and maybe it's, the last 25 years, uh, maybe it's the last 20 minutes, um, I find to be most powerful as my kind of default might be the last 24 hours. Um, but, but the, you know, the time frame doesn't matter, but, but using, um, having a time of recall and, and then having some form of a lens and, and, you know, the consolation and desolation idea is certainly a really powerful one. Um, you know, in the same sense that a 24 hour period might be a, like a default time period, thinking about, well, where did God seem to show up and where did God not seem to be um, available is, is, is sort of a default lens, the, the most basic one that I might use um, for that. Yeah, I think people, when they think of the Ignatian examine, the most common form of it is doing it, you know, in the evening before bedtime, right, and reflecting on the previous day. But I like adding in the fact that it can be helpful maybe once a quarter to look back at the last three months or, or you know, on January 1st, looking back at the last year or looking back at a relationship, um, a marriage, right, going back to when you met. You know, there's, there's lots of ways to do it, but being centered on reviewing 
and reflecting is key. You know, a few episodes before this one, I was interviewing Tremper Longman, who is an Old Testament Bible scholar and writes a lot about wisdom. And as we were talking about what does it mean to become a wise person who knows not just intelligent things, but, you know, not just knowledge, but an emotional intelligence, how and when to do things. One of the central components of growing in wisdom is being a person of reflection, being a person who looks back on their life and learns from it. And so I think this practice just flows so beautifully into that. And I think there's a reason you're saying that it has this ancient history because people have always noticed the importance of, hey, I can't just keep going forward endlessly running to the next thing. I have to look back. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's 100% accurate. And it's so interesting to me. One of the real impacts my exam and practice has had on me is to take a second look when I'm removed from a situation is such a powerful thing. I um, my, my sort of nine to five gig for many years was as a special educator. And these days I'm an administrator and teacher mentor um, in a small special education school. But one of the um, key portions of uh, working with kids that have behavioral troubles is lots of schools have have a point sheet where we, we would grade students um, performance on how safe have they been, how responsible have they been, how respectful they've been. And one of the things I'll tell my teachers is, you know, this is for the students so we can monitor how they're doing. And eventually teachers who have been at it for a while, I can, I, I can tell them the other half of the story. And the other half of the story is, you know, those point sheets are for you too. <laughs> because if you've had a really terrible afternoon with one particular student, it's really easy to say my whole day was miserable, mm -hmm. but then you might be doing your data entry or your data analysis and you're looking at the point sheets and you get like sort of a reality check of, you know what, it wasn't my whole day that was terrible. And it wasn't that every single child in my class was acting like a knucklehead. It was just this one isolated incident. And, um, you know, the examine has a similar sort of value in every day of my life that if I've had one particularly difficult thing that, that took a couple hours of my day that uh, in my brain, if I'm not reflective about it, I can think this was like the worst day I've had in a month because everything is miserable. But when we have the courage to actually sit and go back and look, sometimes what we find out is it isn't actually as bad as we thought it was. And I think that's a lot of the real power of these kind of reflective practices that um, ask us to be brave enough to go back into it. Because I think our often our default response to things can be like denial and cover it up and um and that sorts of things i was listening to one of your podcasts um from a while ago and you had a conversation with somebody um that you were i, I think your phrase uh phil was about um medicating things but medicating in a really broad kind of way of of you know we always try to cover up because it's um it can be a little daunting to actually go back and dwell in the difficult times but it's such yeah. a powerful thing because sometimes we find out those difficult times just weren't weren't as difficult as uh, as we would have thought at first blush. Yeah, I think, that, oh man, I remember reading that in your book and thinking that is brilliant. Like that is, I, I'm glad you brought it up because if you didn't, I was gonna ask you about it because I think that is so important that, you know, emotions are these ways that God communicates to us, but especially when we're going through something difficult, 
it can overwhelm us so that all we see is this, we have like a box of sadness or suffering or whatever it is on our head. And that's the only thing we can see. And of course we wanna honor that. We don't wanna run away from it. But as you said, with the students, I think it's a perfect example. When we can look back, we can also say, wow, maybe there were some gifts in this day. Maybe God isn't as absent as this one feeling wants to tell me. And this is a practice that opens us to realize that. So I, I'm so grateful that you wrote that because I think that's vital for all of us. You know, I think of it in terms of my kids frequently, right? Like one bad thing happens and it's the end of the world, right? But I think sometimes we're just kids in big people bodies. <laughs> so we have the same, same problem. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. Um, it was just this morning in my exam in practice. I was um, I was looking back at an event from yesterday. I um, uh, there there happened at that time to not be anybody above me on campus. So if anything had sort of blown up, it would have been it would have fallen on my shoulders. And at the same time, we ended up I, you know I ended up participating in a ceremony where we got to recognize that one of our kids was graduating high school and things and and through this whole process of this little tiny mini graduation ceremony we did i was distracted and i was wondering all right so you know is something going to happen and i wasn't particularly in the moment um able and and that's like one of the main things that in a school we do is we want to graduate kids with a diploma and things and um so you know in the moment with this student and his family i wasn't able to like um mentally pat him on the back and mentally pat my my team on the back for such good work but but when I was removed from all that I it's you know it's sort of like almost I guess in the way it's like going to see a movie a second time that you can notice the little nuance and details because you're not really wrapped up in what the big climax of the movie is going to be I knew that I like there was not going to be any major issues or crises that I would have to step out of this ceremony for so I was able to drink up all the other little details that I might have missed um, because I was able to go back and reflect and and, and re-experience that. Yeah and that reminds me of another thing you said at one point and this isn't necessarily a direct quote if it may be but it was just in my note I said you know that impressions are not always rooted in reality um, yeah. and even those as you were speaking you know even those difficult moments that we face or the fears that we have when we can take a an opportunity to reflect back on them, we may actually see things in them that change our perspective or open us to say, ooh, maybe I was a little bit wrong in that situation, or maybe they weren't really as wrong as I thought they were. <laughs> you know, it, it offers that perspective. And I and I think a little bit of that's that's like where the Holy Spirit dwells, right? Those are the that when we say, man, I don't know if God's speaking to me, I think those little moments are places maybe we say, if we're going closer to the truth, that is the voice of God. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's exactly what I was just thinking about before you began and got to the Holy Spirit. I was just thinking about the same thing. You know, if this was just me, it would almost be pointless because my knuckleheaded self saw it one way when I went through it. And if I look back at it, if it's only my knuckleheaded self, I'm unlikely to get any much of a new vantage point on it. But because the Holy Spirit is with me on the journey, um, I, I get to see all these new, uh, new perspectives and new new angles to the situation that I probably would have missed if it was only me. Absolutely. So let's let's begin to dig in then. We we people now hopefully are convinced at least of the the value of reflecting back and we've talked a little bit about picking a certain duration of time and of course it could be again very short, a day is pretty common or longer, but 
for that reflective piece, how do you invite people into that space of reflection? Because some people might say, okay, I'm thinking about my day, but nothing's happening. So I know in your book, you talk <laughs> about lenses. So, so what is sort of the next step? Sure. So, um, you know, I think that for a lot of us, and certainly for me, um, rituals are incredibly powerful things. And there are the, um, you know, there's the, the the sort of cliched rituals, which can be powerful. Some people like to light a candle, or maybe there is a certain scent that you like, or, you know, maybe you have a certain place in your house that you always meditate from. Um, those are always really powerful. But sometimes, um, um, you know, there's, there's, there's something about doing something the same way that's really powerful. So I find that, um, that if I have a routine, it can quickly become a ritual and a ritual can be a really powerful thing. And it might be just as simple as, you know, like normally I'd be sitting here with my laptop on my lap, but my routine is my laptop is going to go over here onto this end table and, after I put my laptop away, that's when I'm going to turn off all the notifications on my phone. What, whatever silly mundane things are, if you, you know, if, if you do it, that starts to put you into that special space. Um, you know, I think about Martin Buber a little bit. He has this amazing quote about prayer. He says, I, I hope I get this right. He says, prayer doesn't happen in time, but time happens in prayer. And I don't 100% know what he means, but I think one of the things he means is that there's something so powerful about ritualistic kind of spaces happening in that 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 Karyos God kind of time rather than in that Kronos man kind of time. So, um, you know, whatever it takes to start to put you in that special spot, I think, is is so important. Um, you know, there, there, there's a real power in in the number three and in the Trinity. So three deep breaths, I think, is a great place to start. Um and I find that it's really important for me to know where I began. So, um, you know, if it's the end of the day and I'm taking that kind of traditional thing of looking back on my day, it's one thing to say to somebody, like, think about this morning. But it's a different thing to think of, to say to somebody, what was the moment you really woke up? Or maybe you're going to start with breakfast. You know, what was the first thing you did to get your breakfast ready? So so one of the kind of concrete pieces of um advice I might give give to somebody is, is start in a really precise way. Um, and, you know, if, if your lend, if your duration is going to be so long that maybe if I'm going to do half of my life ago, I don't remember a specific breakfast, but half of my life ago would be 25. And when I was 25, I was um, just about to become a dad for the first time. And at that time, I was a big fan of blueberry pancakes. Um, and so, um, you know, I might even start myself in a kind of hypothetical morning, um, but um, starting very precisely. And also, man, the senses are such an incredibly powerful thing. I, th I think if we're not careful, we, we might think a little bit, we, you know, I think we'll think a lot about the things we thought about. And we might think a little bit about the way things looked. But if I start to think about on, on and maybe it's even a hypothetical breakfast of blueberry pancakes or Maybe when I'm reviewing um, today's breakfast, um, which happened to be scrambled eggs for me, man, if I put the flavor and the texture of those scrambled eggs on my tongue, if in my mind's eye, I see that, that's when I start to get all the nuanced stuff in my time of reflection. 
that otherwise I would have missed. Um, so, um, you know, like the way things look is great, but there's a sort of hierarchy to the senses that the more natural I think we that a certain sense is also the less um, intense it's going to be. So if I think about how things look, um, that's a great start. But it goes a little deeper if I start to think about the things I was listening to at a given time. And it goes even deeper if I get into my sense of touch. Um, you know, like the, uh, the pajama pants I was wearing at the time. If, if I think about that, if I think about the seat I was sitting on, um, um, and then I can even go to tastes and smells is really get, gets us into the really the deepest parts of our brain. And when we can review those sorts of sensory details, I think that's when all the rest really comes in a profound way. Yeah, um, I like I like bringing that whole body experience yes. into it. I think that's really important because people may look at something like, oh, setting a candle and think, well, what's that have to do with connecting me deeper with God? But uh, we, we aren't physical beings by accident. God created us with bodies and said it's good. And bringing our whole selves to the prayer can only enhance it. And I like, as, as you were talking too, about reviewing, bringing the whole body into it. it. It helps sort of recreate that, helps us step into it. Specific moments. I love all of that. So as we're stepping into maybe our breakfast, and maybe it's a conversation that we had with a spouse, a child, a, a neighbor, uh, maybe it's right when we got into work, whatever it may be, what kind of questions do we want to begin to ask of ourselves to really enter into this as a, as a prayer experience? What, what are we hoping to sort of reflect on as we are re-entering into those moments? Um, yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think that's one of the powers of trying out a lot of different types. That's why, um, as you say, I'm a big fan of, um, you know, 15 or 20 different versions of the same spiritual practice, so that people can find out what works for them. And um, for me, I find that um, after I've replayed a certain length of time is the best way to sort of look back on something. So, um, you know, so for me, I might, um, I, I might divide, if I'm looking at a 24 hour period, I might really take eight, eight hour segments, roughly approximately eight hour segments of really like walking myself through every moment. And so, um, you know, if I'm looking at the last 24 hours, the, um, the, the default thing might be, well, I went to bed at 11 o'clock. So I'm going to kind of pause at 11 o'clock and jump back to 7 a.m. But man, if I can like mentally walk through the process of, of um, what my sleep was like last night, did I wake up at any time and feel a little disoriented? All that stuff is so powerful. But, but at any rate, once I've gotten through my time of reflection, um, the, 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 um, to go with the, the consolation and desolation thing, the question I might ask myself is during this time that I just reflected on, where did I see God? Where was it like really evident and obvious that, that God was just there for me? Um, and the second question might be, um, where were my desolations? Um, you know, where was the time that I just don't see God there? Um, and, um, one of my kind of favorite ways to think about those two things is, you know, like what was my first reaction 
And what's my follow-up reaction? You know, if you had asked me before I did this time of reflection, I might say that God was in this, this, that, and the other thing. Um, but some of my favorite questions to ask is, you know, what are the things that I would have named as de desolations, but actually turn out to be consolations? And similarly, what are some things that I would have thought were consolations? What were some things in the moment that felt like God? But when I take a deeper dive, maybe that wasn't really so much of God at all. Um, and so, you know, maybe there was a time of loneliness that actually led me to do something really powerful. Maybe I felt lonely. And in the moment, I would have said, yeah, I was not feeling too good about myself. I wasn't feeling very happy. So it doesn't feel like God is there. But maybe if that inspired me to like reach out to my wife and say, hey, I just want to let you know I love you. And that led to a really great conversation or something. Um, like like in the end, that that turned out to be a consolation that I wouldn't have been able to name in the moment as such. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and for people who may not be familiar with consolation, desolation, consolation being something that draws us closer to God, where we're walking toward God, and a desolation may be something that's moving us away, where we're resisting God or being led away. And I think that's a very helpful way. And of course, not everything is black and white. We have to, with wisdom, parse through it. But looking at our day and saying, hey, you know, as you stated, in a moment of isolation, was I drawing closer to God or was I going into uh, social media and just, as, as you said earlier, medicating that feeling, right? Rather than entering into it, was I walking away? And it's in that space of reflection where then we are invited to interact with those situations as they come in the future in a different way, it would seem, because what you've experienced today is very likely to be experienced tomorrow or next week and next month. But if we never take that space to say, what was the invitation of God in that moment, we may continue to miss it. Like I think of Moses in the burning bush, and this is all hypothetical. So I'm going with more of a rabbinical um, approach here, but I've sometimes wondered, were there more burning bushes before Moses finally saw that one, right? Like, was he missing other ones or was that the very first one, right? Like, and, and, and it makes me think, you know, if God was speaking in that way, by looking back, can I maybe see, oh my goodness, I was so busy. I thought God was nowhere to be seen. But now when I look back at that moment, God was right there, but I was so distracted or so in myself, I walked away and God was actually there. And maybe I can pay attention next time. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Um, I think this is maybe a little bit related. I've, I've, I've heard people talk about the idea that our default thought about when Jesus took just the three disciples up on the mountain and they beheld Jesus. Um, you know, one way you can read that is Jesus's appearance changed. But the other way you can read that is the, the disciples ability to see Jesus has changed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what if Jesus was really shining like that all the time, all the way through? And it was just a trend. Mm -hmm. It was just a transformation of the ways they were looking at them. Um, and if that's right, when they came down from the mountain, I have to think those guys' lives were changed because every moment it might have been, you know, I'm not seeing Jesus in all that shiny, light-filled glory, but I know that's what Jesus's truest appearance is. And it's just like sort of a defect in my own eyes that is failing to see all of that glory. And, and you know, maybe examine can bring us one percent of that, one little tiny taste of that, of you know, at my best in this moment, I saw this potentially painful experience in a certain light. But now, now that God has helped me to see this one event of um, sadness or anger or disappointment 
in a whole new way. Maybe I can bring some of, of my understanding about the nature of the thing to the next time it happens. So yeah, I, I think you're exactly right with that. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me just of, of so frequently throughout scripture, God invites the people to remember, to remember, yeah. you know, set up these stones so that future generations, when they see them, ask you, why are these here? And you can tell them yes. about this miracle of God being with us, right? And we, we think of those things as these massive one-off events, but I actually wonder if our days are full of these little tiny stone monuments where if we can look back at them, just to even notice them, to honor the fact that they're there, our lives could be changed. And as you said, I, I hadn't heard of that way of viewing like the transfiguration before, but I think there could be something there to say, hey, I, I had this, um, because we, we've talked a lot about like the, the, the difficult experiences, but also reflecting on those experiences experiences where you were like, I was so full of joy, or I experienced such deep peace, right? Like, it's easy to, not easy, but th there's a temptation just to look on the difficult parts of the day. But also, we don't want to miss those moments of Jesus just lit up in front of me. What was it about that time? Oh my goodness. I was actually in the midst of something that would usually cause me extreme anxiety, but today I just felt amazing peace. Well, maybe we can reflect on that and say, well, what was different? What was it about that moment? How can we continue then to enter into that place? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, as, as you talk about that, one of the things that, um, you know, I, I can say about my own spiritual practice that is, um, uh, I think this is a relatively new way of understanding things. Um, I, you know, sometimes you have those just delicious sessions of meditation where you're so close to God. And I, for a long time, the my best sessions of meditation were often follow, followed by my worst sessions. Yes. And yes. what what I what I found about those is I was chasing after the wrong thing because um, you know I, I think being in the moment and present to where I am at this second is um, incredibly important. And if I just had one of those really amazing times when you know all the endorphins in my brain are pumping hundred percent. The next time I come to sit, really, that's the thing I'm chasing after. So I'm looking mm. after that, that wonderful feeling, but when it went right, when it went well for me, if I had sat down with that as my intent in my heart of, Hey God, I'd like to feel really awesome today. Probably I would not have gotten that particular gift at that particular time. Mm. So I think that, um, um, probably our our motivations are really huge, but also the idea of of being true to the process I took, not seeking after the like the conclusion that I came to. So um, so like you know that what I try to do when things are going really well is think that you know I want to be true to myself in this moment when I do it next time. But instead of like chasing after the 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 lovely little end i think what i'd like to try to recreate is is the steps that i took in order to get there and maybe today is going to be a day that i get those awesome feelings and maybe today is not going to be a day i get those awesome feelings but the thing for me to try to replicate is the, is the steps i took instead of chasing after the the results that i received yeah that's that's a really good that's a really good note to to question our motivation and i would also say 
that in those days, and I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I'm sure you've probably felt this before, but I feel like a lot of people I do have, have felt this, is that even in those practices where you feel like nothing happened, you do an examine and you're like, nothing happened. There's actually, I think, a ton going on underneath the surface. And it may not be till tomorrow or next week where that examine bears fruit because you find yourself in the situation and all of the sudden the one you were you were mentally going through in your examine all of a sudden comes into play in the snap of a finger and it's like oh there's the aha moment um and even if that never happens i think it still bears fruit just for being in the presence as you said a ritual for shaping us you know i think of sermons i've given where i thought it was so amazing and no one says anything and then there's these times where, I th where I'm like oh my goodness what did I say you know everyone's gonna be mad and people are like oh it was life-changing right it's like we don't always know based on the, the instant what's actually going on underneath and so it, it almost seems like just continuing to show up is just a yes. huge part of the battle yeah, I think so. I think so. I also think about the dark night of the soul a little bit in all of this. It took me a long time to kind of get the dark night of the soul. But, um, you know, I think it was James Finney's read on it that really helped me. He, he's got a way of his, his distillation of, of the dark night of the soul is around the idea that, you know, sometimes we turn our experiences of God into a little bit of an idol. And we can reach a certain point in our spiritual maturity where God says, you know, your your subjective experience is kind of in the way. So I'm going to remove all of your warm, fuzzy feelings of me at this time so you can have the actual experience so, so you can get me instead mm -hmm. and not not turn all those experiences. So, so um you know, I think there's a lot about um, me feeling really peaceful is probably not the, the highest good, even though it might be tempting for that to be one of my favorite things. That's a really good word because it is so easy to get discouraged thinking, oh, I'm doing it wrong or nothing's happening. And yes. actually, as you're saying, that experience may actually be the invitation itself. Yes, right. Absolutely. Oh, that's so good. Well, Jeff, I was hoping we could take maybe three or four minutes and um, we're not doing a, a full full service to, a, to an examine practice, but just to sort of walk people through a few of the steps so they can sort of just get a picture of it. Could I'm just going to mute myself. And would you mind just maybe walking us through a very like shortened practice that people could then expand upon on their own? I would be thrilled to. That sounds great. Excellent. Then this space is yours. I'm going to mute and just let you go for it. Great. Um, so I'm going to invite you right now to, if, you, if you're comfortable and you can, if you can put your feet on the floor, I think that's a great place to start. And if it's comfortable for you to sit as upright as you can without any kind of strain, I want to invite you to that too. And I'm just going to invite you into the three deepest breaths that you've taken today. I want you to do that on your time. So I'm not going to I'm not going to name the inhales and exhales, but just take three deep breaths to name this space as as separate from the rest of your day. As you're taking those deep breaths, just release all your worries. I promise you you can pick them up in 4 or 5 minutes, but for now just put them aside. Good. Now, think about where you were about 24 hours ago. And bring yourself, if you can, to the beginning of something. 
Maybe it's the beginning of your work day or the beginning of your lunch or the beginning of a silly television show. But find yourself in the beginning of maybe a discussion with a loved one. And try to populate that time now, if you can, with evidence from all of your senses to what, what that was like at that time. So feel the texture of the clothing you were wearing. Hear the sounds that were going on, maybe a heater or an air conditioner. Maybe there was a car driving by. Think about the light that you were seeing. And the condition of your body, were you hungry or angry or relaxed? Now let yourself walk through what happened next. And we'll take a minute or two to just go through some part of your last 24 hours, trying to be as attentive to those details as you can. And now the question for you, as you continue to go through that time, is where did you feel closer to God? Where was God drawing you closer? Where were your consolations at that time? And let's find some desolations if there were any. What were the hard parts where maybe you didn't see God so clearly? Or didn't feel like God was pulling you closer to God? And I'd like to invite you to take this memory and to take the, the consolations and the desolations both. And maybe you've got some words for God right now, or maybe God's got some words for you right now. But let's sort of turn this into a little bit of a prayer. Maybe it can be a little bit of a conversation about um, what you noticed about that time, where you found God, were there any surprises for you? Did your time of reflection change anything for you? I'll give you a, like a couple minutes. Let's, let's take a minute and a half or so to just um, have a few final words with God about that reflection. Excellent. And if you're ready, maybe you'd like to come back to the normal world and the time that we measure with clocks. If you think it's necessary, you can pick up all the stuff that you put aside for this time and we can move on with our day. Ah, thank you. Yes, you're I, welcome. I think that, that even in just a few minutes, opened up you know even for me you know i i was actually going through it with you and 
considering uh, my lunchtime yesterday and made me aware of some things that I, you know, is like, oh, maybe I could have been more aware of this or more present with my kids there or whatever. So very, very helpful. Jeff, thank you so much. Great. What might be a final word of encouragement or challenge you might offer to people who are getting started with the exam and, or, or looking to go deeper with it? Um, you know, it's, um, uh, there, there are so many things in this life and this is just one of them that you, um, you, it, it can be incredibly rewarding and it can be hard and it's, it's just such a mess and a mix of so many things. It can, uh, the, the exam, it can be a really powerful part of a, of a, um, like a robust spiritual practice. So, um, you know, I hope that you can, uh, I, I guess I, I can challenge you to um, just deepen your experience of God and your, your daily life with, um, with a little bit of reflection and pulling God right into the, the process. Excellent. And Jeff, if people want to go deeper with you and your work and your books, where can we send them? Um, well, people can take, come take a look at my website, which is thefaithingproject.com. Um, my books, I, uh, my book on the examine and a few other books, um, many on different spiritual practices, but I've also got one around, um, building a spiritual practice during a time of spiritual transitions, um, are all available. Amazon tends to be the easiest place to find my books. I'm Jeff Campbell. There's a few Jeff Campbells out there, but, um, um, I'm relatively early on the list of Amazon's Jeff Campbell's. So you could start with um, examining the examine by Jeff Campbell would be a way to find me. And then it's easy to jump around to those other books. Um, if you were to take a look at my website, you'll find some information about a, a spiritual retreat I will be at in January, leading some practices and learning from uh, a really great group of people. Um, so that would be a great place to, to meet you and say hello. Excellent. Jeff, this is great. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for sharing what you are learning about disciplines with the rest of us. Uh, such an honor. Appreciate having you on today, brother. Thank you so much. It was just delightful to be here. Hey friends, Phil here again. Before you go, I just want to say thank you again for joining us in this episode today. You can find links to Jeff's website as well as some of his books in the description in the show notes below. And then also friends, if you are looking for ways to go deeper in this faith journey with practices such as the examine, looking for ways to discover where God is speaking and moving in your life, I now offer one-on-one -on -one spiritual direction, a space where we explore your story together, exploring spiritual disciplines, helping you to connect deeper with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a real tangible way. So you can set up a free phone call where we can talk about spiritual direction and talk about it if it would be right for you. You can find a link to that in the show notes below as well to get that set up. And then friends, we also have our Rua Space memberships where we offer guided practices like Christian yoga, guided prayer and meditations. And you can find a link to those memberships in the description below as well. So friends, thank you again for being with us here today. Blessings as you continue to walk on this journey of life. Grace and peace be with you.